Tonight's Amazing Race recap is sponsored by our friends over at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like the airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. Rockauto.com, they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything from engine control modules and brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com. They are reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Rob is a podcast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Coming to you live from the podcast capital of the world, it's Rob as a podcast, and now here's the guy who relates so much every day to D'Angelo Williams. I am Rob Sesternino. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our Amazing Race recap here. One week to go on The Amazing Race, episode number 11 of Amazing Race 32. The Alliance has made it to the final three. Gary and D'Angelo ended up uh, really just in a ditch on the side of the road there. Uh, Two-hour penalty. Ultimately, they are out in the fourth place spot. And here to break it all down, our Amazing Race panel. Here we have first our chief Amazing Race correspondent. Here is Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? Well, Rob, I, you know, I, I feel like if I wanted to do this podcast, I could get the same effect. I, could, I have money. I could just pay for a microphone and look at the wall and talk for an hour. And it could have been much less aggravating than what we do here. So you didn't like it? No, not particularly. No, 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 no. You don't mean that, do you? Yeah, I mean it. A hundred percent. Never going to podcast again. All right. Uh, Let's also bring in a man who uh, I saw that somebody wanted to know, uh, will this person race Puya in high heels now after tonight's episode? Here is uh, Mr. Mike Bloom. Doing well, Rob. Come on through. Come on through. Let's talk. I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> yeah. that dancing traffic cop who might have been the most entertaining part of the episode. Let's be completely honest. If we followed him for an hour, uh, maybe a more satisfactory outcome than what we ended up getting here. Like that guy. Okay. All right. We're here to talk about the amazing race uh, 32. Uh, the night in uh, Philippines as uh, we had uh, a music task, which really absorbed a good uh, third of the episode. Ultimately, the alliance came together to eliminate uh, Gary and D'Angelo. First ever city sprint on The Amazing Race. We're going to take your questions. You can add your feedback to the show here in one of two ways. One, you can do it here live tonight. You can go on Twitter at Rob Sisterino. I just tweeted out a link to the show. Uh, Tweet us your replies or... We will, over the weekend, get into everything on our feedback show, The Tar Pits, over. Uh, send questions to Amazing Race at robhasawebsite.com when we reconvene this weekend to answer more of your feedback as we head into the Amazing Race finale. 
It was the city sprint. And I thought that this was uh, pretty interesting, but I defer to the, the experts here. The people who that uh, they they know that Amazing Race is on Pluto TV. They don't need the commercials to tell them about that. Lower thirds popping up. Hey, watch classic Amazing Race. Oh, really? I didn't I didn't see that when I was watching. Yeah, I saw. Did you see it, Jess? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the big, big push for Pluto TV for commercials. Watch the Amazing Race. So, who knows? This might be the you know uh, now that Survivors on Netflix, uh, Amazing Race might have a renaissance too. All right. Just city sprint, yay or nay? Uh, Rob, I think on, I think it's just not amazing race. Like I'm sure it's fine on its own, but it's not what I signed up for. And it really, it felt a little bit improvised. Like they had maybe had something else planned and couldn't do it at the 11th hour and just like paid for some local rotary clubs, fundraiser, local scavenger hunt and decided we'll just do all of these tasks and we don't have to come up with our own thing. So it was in that regard, like, sure, these were fun things on their own. And it was it was all right entertainment in that regard. But it wasn't Amazing Race. Okay, Mike, do you agree? Do you feel like that this was something that was out of necessity, maybe not out of design? This was so strange in so many ways. I mean, the first thing when I heard about the twist is to be completely honest, like, is this a budget thing? You know, like, could they afford to go outside of Manila? So they're just going to send them around. I mean, I I find it so intriguing that when we had Miles Nyon on Sunday, without even knowing it, we were essentially forecasting the city sprint by talking about these homebrew amazing race games. Jess herself has participated in it where it's just like, hey, we're going to send you around the park for a couple of hours doing a bunch of tasks Mm -hmm. and then you're going to make your way back. That's literally what they did. Now, now, that being said, I was not too dis- uh, dispirited by it for the majority of the episode. I was actually pretty entertained by, I would say, two-thirds of this episode. Even going into that final task, there was a lot of lead changes. You know, they were highlighting enough of the culture. And look, if it, if it was a choice between this or them, like, half-assing detours and roadblocks, I'd rather give me, give me the former because it's at least something, like, intriguing to talk about. And it does explore a lot of things through a bunch of root infos, which... You know, it's pretty interesting looking back even a few seasons ago when like root infos were barely in legs and now we have a whole leg full of them. But I mean, the the main talking point and the main reason why this leg is going to be remembered is not because of the structure. It's going to be because of how that structure was, you know, a little bit finagled and taken advantage of uh, at the end by by a group of three alliances to box someone out at that final task and, and make sure they make the final three together. Yeah, Jess, uh, this was frustrating because I really felt like there was a point in this episode where I said, oh, this is going to backfire, that Gary and D'Angelo are the only people not sharing information, and Riley and Madison concocted this cockamamie plan where they have the wrong answers, and they've locked in wrong answers, and now they've sucked everybody into the quicksand of their bad plan. This is like uh, what you would show to Hugh Borg if you wanted to stop all of the teams. And I felt like, oh, did Gary and D'Angelo are going to get it right and they're going to get first place. Uh, resistance is futile, Rob. Wow. That was a great pull, Rob. Um, <laughs> honestly, yeah, it would have been maybe we would be here like raving about the outcome and not so concerned about the structural changes if that had been what happened. Like, can you imagine how epic it would have been to watch those three teams realize that they were all fighting to not be last yeah. instead of like skating through to the end? And 
I think we would have been cheering. We would have been like fully on team sugar and cinnamon to, you know, to win the whole thing at that point, because nobody likes anything more than an underdog that has thwarted the plans of the evil empire trying to bring them down. Mm -hmm. But basically as it was, we just saw Luke Skywalker try to blast through the exhaust port and Darth Vader swooped in and blew up his ship. Yeah. Um, I just, I thought it was going to happen. I, I really felt like that Gary and D'Angelo were going to get it and they were going to get first place and it was going to be so great. Well, especially because like Phil talked about it in the beginning of the leg and even like before it, when they were leaving Cambodia, everyone was saying like, yep, alliances are off now. Like, you know, Will and James were the ones that were really beating the drum and they were the ones that first formed the alliance a long time. Yeah, Riley and Madison of saying, you know what? We'd love to go to the final three with them, but as long as we're in the final three, it doesn't really matter. And I, I thought for the longest time that, you know, okay, there is this core alliance of three and they wanted to get rid of Gary and D'Angelo last week, but I think now they're really focusing on the end. And then we get it right here at the very end. And, you know, I guess the question is like, do we blame the teams? Do we blame the the task itself for, you know, encouraging people to help each other? Do we blame both? Because I, I do think I am frustrated. Uh, I'm not frustrated like for the teams. Again, like we talked about this on the tar plates. Pets, please do not go after these people. These are all very nice, lovely people. They they got the final three that they wanted. It's not the final three, maybe that we necessarily wanted, but like please do not use this as an excuse to make personal attacks on them. But it's really frustrating, I think, no matter what the circumstances are, to have a group of three teams be like, no, you're not gonna be in the final four and push them out. Say what you want to about gameplay, but it's it's really lame to see at the end here was really hard to watch and we had been talking all season like why is we know that this kind of this kind of alliance building happens in most seasons but it's not the center focus point and why is it why is this alliance thing the driving narrative factor of the season and we found out tonight it's because it was the first time I think we've seen a lot of teams like work together to get each other further, but you've never seen teams kind of coalesce in this way to actively exclude somebody else. And that was, that was what made it different. And that was really hard to watch. And I mean, if you're any of those teams, like you said, Mike, you can't fault them for making that decision. And I don't think any of us could say that we'd go in there and be better than that, but all the same, it's not a fun outcome to watch. And, you know, this is half of Survivor seasons, too. The dominant alliance starts running roughshod over everybody else. And at a certain point, it's like, you know what's going to happen. And, you you know, if you were that person, you'd do the same thing. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you enjoy watching it. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at most modern Big Brother seasons as well. Yeah. That too. Um, I got the sense tonight, you know, you really got an answer. Like, uh, is the show okay with this? I thought they are not. Uh, Phil at the pit start in this episode says, look, you could have your alliances, but I don't know. You got to be, you know, think about what you want to share or not share. Like, uh, it feels like, please stop with the alliance enough. I do wonder how much that last minute move, because it really did seem like they were almost pulling teeth to finally make that happen. I really do wonder how much they were compelled to help each other in that final task, at least from what we were being told. It seemed like it only happened out of multiple tries and multiple takes. For example, if one team read their clue, if Will and James read their clue, then the first couple of attempts and got it, do you think they tip off the other teams and keep going? I'm not sure. I, I do wonder if 
part of this really frustrating thing happened not because it was an alliance that promised each other to go into the final three or it's just because like we are desperate we have been here for hours i will take any correct answer i get i do not care who i go to the final three with at this point yeah it's true i think you reach a certain point and it's like you just want to be done with the task and you'll do anything to be done with the task and then I don't think it was as much. You see that moment where they say, guys, if we work together, we could be the final three. Yeah. I don't think that was as much of it. I think if it was just something that you would eventually get if you powered through, it's a different story. But this was one where you could conceivably be there forever if you didn't quite understand it. And I agree. I think that it's a different story if one of them gets it right out of the gate. And. I want to say two things about this. I think Hung and Chi, I fought them the least of the three teams that were in the alliance that I think that they were even open to working with Gary and D'Angelo. And I felt like the other teams, two teams said, no, 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 don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. Uh, and I kind of thought that maybe Hung and Chi might be able to, because when they read the clue, they read it the right way. And I thought that they might have the, the right answer. Uh, and also Gary and D'Angelo you two are not without fault here. Yeah, that was annoying when the Alliance worked together, but also you could have read the clue that, 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 you know, they're all sharing bad information. You got that bad information on your own. Yeah, well, I think if you're any team other than Gary and D'Angelo, you, you're... You got the other teams saying, okay, we all have to work together, and what do you do in that, in that scenario? Do you go go help Gary and D'Angelo mm-hmm. and you can't really keep working on your own because you're stuck and it's almost like if you're hung and chi and you figure it out you've got to you've got to keep pretending you're working with the other teams because they might lap you and then you're stuck yeah, yeah I mean I, I agree with you that I think Gary and D'Angelo I think them quitting is like was really a cherry on top of just a big mm-hmm. Sunday that was the last 15 minutes of this episode of like them sort of like grabbing their ball and going home but it's almost like in the scenario the kids had already deflated the ball and given it back to yeah. them they're like we don't want this anyway so to have them sort of like kind of quit the race in the regard of being like we're screwed anyway let's just take the two hour penalty when to your point they could have at least finished the task by reading the clue it was, it was sort of something that was no fault of their own but at the same time, it's also not a good look for these other teams when Gary and D'Angelo are like, let's work together, guys. This is hard. Let's work through it. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Cute to 15 minutes later. OK, guys, let's all work together and we can make the final three. Like, that's a really, really bad look for these teams. And I can understand their frustration about that. Yeah, I, I we haven't seen a team just like rage quit a task like that, you know, outside of Amazing Race Canada in a really long time. What about Gary and D'Angelo as competitors? I think that what else is frustrating about this? I, I don't get the sense that anybody uh, of the four teams feels like Gary and D'Angelo are the best team. If we don't beat them, if we don't stop them here, they will win the amazing race. Uh, it just seems like, yeah, we don't really like them. That was weird too, because you know we talked about this in the tar pit last week um, that the stated reasons that people gave on the program for yeah, on the program, listen to me. Masterpiece <laughs> so British. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Uh, you make yeah. this classier. Yes, the, the things that the competitors said on the program, uh, their stated reasons for not liking Gary and D'Angelo were they don't help us with the tasks and they just take, take, take and don't give. And then we see all these instances of them giving and not taking. And that 
struck me as kind of odd. It was like they were kind of grasping at reasons to not like them when they already decided they hadn't. And maybe it was just like, oh, they're NFL players. They probably don't need the money or they, you know, they're going to be fine on their own because they, they have the competitive spirit. But yeah, it felt, it felt like we didn't get the full rationale for deciding, or maybe it was just as simple as we already decided early on that it was us three and we had some other teams kind of incidentally there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was because it was, you know, basically the five teams in the mind bus, it's possible that they already, those three teams had already decided they were working together and it turned out, Oh, here's two other teams. We can work Mm -hmm. with them too. Yeah. I mean, this is the TABR rules to be honest, right? It's the make an alliance and then make an alliance within your alliance and mm-hmm. then they follow that to the T. Now look, we're going to see the immediate repercussions of that next week where even Phil was prognosticating this episode like, all right, interesting choice for you to help other teams and go to the finale with these two particular teams. And you know that obviously two teams are going to pay as a result of this. So I, I, even though we have seen the storyline bear out, it hasn't borne out completely and I guess for those that are frustrated with these teams they sort of get the catharsis of watching two of these teams eventually uh, go belly up next week but yeah I I think we still need some stuff behind like what Gary and D'Angelo were doing I was watching some secret scenes and like Will and James were talking about how like they feel like D'Angelo has like a, a bad attitude I mean we which I mean, we kind of you yeah. kind of did, yeah. yeah I mean, it was yeah. Called, I mean, I think we saw at the end of this episode a bit of what they're talking about because again, this like, well, I didn't really see it. It really does seem like D'Angelo was kind of we call them grumpy cat the entire time, but he was not really wide eyed, open to the experience as much as someone like Gary. I think he was very much more like keep my head down, power through, and win. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone else was maybe about hey, let's just be there for the experience. Like let let's be there for for the friendships and the relationships that we make. And the fact that D'Angelo wasn't there for that, I think maybe turned him off to them. And that's not a bad way to look at the race either way. But I think it just it led to probably that primary conflict that led them to say like, all right, maybe Gary and D'Angelo are not necessarily who we want to go forward with if we have the choice. Yeah, Mike, I I have two thoughts actually. I have a D'Angelo related thought, and I have a final leg pronostication related thought. But <laughs> The D'Angelo related thought is that he is actually much more of a public figure than these other competitors. And it is possible that I don't think I wouldn't necessarily say he comes in like feeling like he's full of himself. But also when you've related to a lot of people that see you only as like the object of their interest, like if you've only interacted with people as fans and the first time they meet you is they're excited that you're, you know, the great D'Angelo Williams, you are primed to have a very different relationship that becomes a little more standoffish at the beginning. Mm. And so everybody else is just like, I'm going to meet my fellow racers and it's very exciting. D'Angelo is used to strangers coming up to him and being very excited to meet him and having nothing to give back to him. Mm. And that may have contributed to his slight standoffishness, at least in the beginning. And I'm sure that he eventually like makes the same kind of friendships as everybody else, but it's, it might be a slower start. That's my D'Angelo thought. And my general prognostication thought, Mike, you've just kind of put this in my head. What if there, what if there is a payoff? What if there is a whole payoff to this Alliance thing? Because what if in the final leg, two of the teams stop at a task to help each other and the third team laps them? Oh, so basically what we wanted Gary and D'Angelo to do tonight happens yes. in the final leg. What if it happens in the final leg? Who is the and most satisfying team to meet me? Hmm, that's a good question. I think... 
What, what's your what's your thought, Rob? Onion chi. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Because they're the only ones that haven't been evangelizing about the alliance lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially well, they got burned once before by it, so now they're sort of like, I learned my lesson. I touched that stove before. I'm not going near it again. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we definitely. I think I definitely think, and I, I'd be surprised if this ends up not being the case. I don't think the Volley Bros are winning. Uh, I think very much this has been set up as like Phil, especially talking to them. And the show showing us, like, look what these particular guys are doing. And I think, if anything, whether Jess's prediction comes true or not, I do think they're going to be the ones where the most questions being asked of them next week are like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Considering that you may have lost because you chose to go ahead with teams that you knew could probably beat you. Okay, It's a good question, Mike, unless the story is they keep asking them why they make the choices they did because they're the choices that pay off. And also, they're the most boring team left. So it's usually the most boring team that wins. Yeah. Jess, you and I have talked about this many times over the years. That Do you feel like that is is there a consistent winner edit on The Amazing Race? Because I feel like there are uh, survivors so many, like, um, you know, I'd say 80% of the time, we are going into the end of the Survivor season. And it's like, boy, this is very obvious who the winner is going to be. And I feel like that, uh, you know, at least half the time, well, that we might feel one way and then the winner is a completely different team. Yeah, Rob, the thing that I used to do, at least like when I used to write a blog about Amazing Race Canada was I would go through at the final four and I would take each team and I would figure out what their editing story is because you could almost make a, you could almost rationalize how you could get to a win for any team. And I think we could do that here. We could look at the different trajectories that these teams have been on and we can figure out what that says about them as winners. Mm -hmm. And so I I do think it's a little bit less consistent for Amazing Race, but we have had seasons where we've been watching it. And in about episode six, I say that's the team that's going to win because this is the story that we're getting Mm -hmm. like. In season 27, for instance, we had Kelsey and Joey saying, you know, we're the only team. We feel like we're really competitive. We still haven't won a leg. We still haven't won a leg. We still haven't won a leg. And I'm like, they keep showing that off because they're going to win the last leg. And they did. Mm -hmm. But then look ahead to like the very next season, right? Where like we thought, okay, it's probably Tyler and Corey who are the front runners or it's uh, Sherry and Cole who are sort of like the underdogs. But ends up being Matt and Dana. So I agree with Jess to a certain extent that I think it really depends on the season. And I think if there's a really strong narrative, they're going to do that. Otherwise they're not going to do it every time. So like, it's, it's tough to say you're, you can hunt for a winner's edit every single time. Like you said, in a perfect world, all three teams sort of have like a storyline as to how to get there. And I think by virtue of the fact that all three of these teams work together, the entire race, we sort of end up having that in our lap. So I could see any one of these three teams winning. It's just for some reason, the volley bros are the particular team that I think have gotten the most attention in in this particular, you know, past couple of legs for being so pro Alliance and pro helping teams. And so I do wonder if, if that's going to be the, the, their Achilles heel, or if it's just going to, you know, fall by the wayside and be just another quirk in their edit. Yeah. It's a good point, Mike. And the other thing that we have noticed that I have noticed is that the volley bros don't get the same kind of attention to their actual lives as the other two teams. And I would say like hung and she keep talking about their kids and they keep talking about back home and like, what would this money mean to them? And we got that. We we're hearing about like their background and uh, what it means for them to be on the race. And then Will and James are just like, it means so much for them to just be on the race. And 
it's something that, you know, it's a lifelong dream for James and every place they go, they're just like overcome with how much they love being there. And I feel like that's a powerful narrative too. Like this has been the experience of a lifetime for them. And then they cap it off with a million dollars. That's like, that's a pretty good story too. So I, I agree with you, Mike. I think we might be, maybe the moral of the season is that Riley and Madison getting so caught up in the actual game itself means that this is just going to be one more thing they don't win. Mike, I feel like you always uh, have an eye on the schedule. Do we know next week's finale? Is it a one-hour finale next Wednesday? It is indeed a one-hour finale. I don't think we ever have... So we never have two-hour finales. Like We never have a a final leg that is two hours long. It's always going to be one hour long. The only times we have two-hour finales are when it's the two final legs. But we have one final leg in New Orleans, so it's just going to be one hour next week as these final three teams race to what looks like the, the Superdome. It looks like we're going to for the, for the, uh, the finale. Okay. All right. Uh, we, we'll uh, keep an eye on that. So, uh, let's talk through the uh, city sprint. Uh, the teams would head from Cambodia out to the Philippines uh, that I, I saw that uh, our friend uh, Brooklyn Zed had asked this on Twitter. Uh, they called it the texting capital of the world and then later called it the shoe capital of the world, which is it? Can you only choose one uh, inanimate object or concept to be a capital of? I guess so. Could you have many things? I guess so. I think so. Yeah. Capital right. of capitals of the world. Yeah. Um, texting capital of the world. That's like, uh, hey, I'm from Philippines. You know me. I'm just texting, uh, you know, nonstop. Is that why everyone's in traffic? Because they're texting all the time and they're not paying attention to what's on the road. Yeah. Okay. It can wait, everybody. Wait till you get to your destination. Speaking of which, what happened to our friends at Consumer Cellular? After like really hearkening to how magnanimous Princess Diane, uh, Princess uh, Kate Middleton's wedding was, they just sort of like went away. Hold the plug on it. Yeah, there's only there's only two great moments of the last decade, and those were they Kate Middleton's them. wedding yeah. and Claire taking a watermelon to the face. Everything else, like, don't worry about it. It's not going to be yeah. on your history test. Maybe they got another cellular sponsor. That's why it was the City Sprint as opposed to the City Consumer Cellular. Oh, that's going to say, did the Sprint formerly Verizon guy come out and be like, can you hear me now? No, because there's a rock band playing right there. Yeah. And which one of them is the Sprint player of the game? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Who's going to get that money? All right. Um, so we're going to go uh, try to find the uh, traffic cop who uh, thoroughly enjoyed Mike. Just what was with rhyming clues in the city? Sprint? <laughs> why, why did we start getting tree mail? These were so bad too. They weren't. They didn't. They weren't metered. Some of the rhymes didn't. Weren't set up. They had to like awkwardly rearrange the sense. Like one of them was like, "To the city center, you must go." Like, who are you, Yoda? And mm. it really, it, it felt like they were sitting on the plane on the way to Manila, writing these clues. And you're like, "Hey, intern, get over here. Write me some rhymes. Text them to me." Actually, we're headed to the Philippines. Yeah, maybe that's only you could fill your texting limit. And so that's why they had to like go with such the short things of like reach into the lion's mouth and then you run heading south. Like those those again, it it spoke very much like the homebrew amazing race. I don't know why they rhymed. I thought the only the first one was going to rhyme. I did not realize there was going to be a whole structure that not only was this the city sprint, this was also like the first all rhyming leg of the amazing race. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that like this points more to the theory that they just bought the they bought this entire race course 
from somebody else. Like they'd used it for something else. And so all the, all the tasks had been tested already. They're just like, okay, we'll just drop it into our amazing race. It looks sort of like an amazing race. So let's, let's also point out actually, before we get too far ahead, uh, this is not technically the first time they've done the quote unquote city sprint. Thailand, yes. right? So it was two things. I think it was Bahrain in season 30 and then the final leg in season 29 both had neither one had uh, detours or roadblocks in them so again if we're defining a city sprint as a no detour no roadblock leg we technically have had two before them but i actually i i think maybe it makes it a city sprint that they like came back to lapu lapu circle they did a lapu lapu around the city if you will i'm not sure but it continues this tradition of let's take an old twist from the show give it like a new name or a new dress up and then just put it forward again in season 32 and, and make it seem like everything old is new again well, it reminded me of something else as well, Mike. In season 26, when they went to Bangkok, I think it was, and they had to, you could choose like which path you were on, and then you had to do all the tasks on that path. Oh, yeah. I remember that now. And there was like the, there was the one in the cat cafe, and they had to eat a hundred year old egg. And it was very different. I think we were sitting here at the end of that saying, what was that? That wasn't the amazing race. And, I guess, you know, they keep they keep trucking this out. I think they keep test marketing and it. it's like, how much, how far away can we get away from the usual Amazing Race concept and still have it be recognizably the Amazing Race and still like not have everybody complaining about it? Which newsflash, everybody's going to complain about everything you do because that's the way the world works now. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, traffic cop was out there. He was dancing. Mike, any observations about uh, Mr. Traffic Cop? I mean, I guess this was the dance challenge that James wanted to happen, but I ended up screwing him in the end because so the, the thing was you had to sort of like snatch the clue away from him as you were driving by because obviously he's a busy man. He's in the middle of this intersection. And I, I couldn't tell. Was it their their driver's fault along with hung and cheese that they like made the sharp turn and couldn't grab it or was it their yeah. own fault that they couldn't grab the clue um yeah i don't know if, i felt like they didn't see him or they saw him too late and they couldn't get their arm out the window yeah, yeah it, it looked like they saw him too late and then they had to circle back to him and by that point he was at another part of the intersection it's yeah because i would say the one of the big advantages that the city sprint has as a leg concept is for the vast majority of it your fate is in your own hands right you can't be screwed over by taxi drivers or like any other or getting lost or anything like a lot of this stuff was done on foot or in heels uh so really you're responsible for your own navigation uh and so i was wondering if that really was the fault of the driver or like you all both are saying if it was more so that they didn't notice them at the right time and they were sort of doing their bus driver's route and they just couldn't Brian snag Cohen? The yeah. yeah, exactly. Old Brian Cohen. Old Brian Cohen. Uh, not new uh, Cohen Brian underscore. So, Jess, couldn't it have been great synergy for CBS that they, they have this guy, they have a Philippines dancing traffic director. Could they integrate this guy into the beloved classic Frosty the Snowman, who was so confused by where you were going. You know, Frosty could lead them down the streets of town. Right, that was a long cop. That was a long way to go to get to that, Rob. That was. It's all. It was as confusing. 
it was as confusing as the winding streets of Manila mm-hmm. uh, to get to that point. And should, should they have had a magician follow them around the entire leg, trying to like get busy, their hat back? Busy, busy, <laughs> busy. Yeah, that's the traffic in Manila. It's very yeah. busy. God, how do we get, how do we get to the worst of the Rankin Bass offerings? Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, the teams would then uh, uh, have a race in high heels. Uh, how 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 long of a race was this? It, it looked like it was like twenty feet long. It was yeah. like the end of the block and back. Yeah, and at the point where they had to set up like a, a dinsy little traffic cone at the end to be like, all right, and then you make the turn and come back. Like it was very clear this was not planned out. I mean, I guess this was fun for a lark. It's sort of fun for for the image of it. it it's worth, I guess, it's it's the worth it's worth the the rate of payment to have D'Angelo and Gary sort of like shuffling along and yeah. heel browsing the entire time. Now, I felt bad for Gary just because what were the chances they had a, a woman's shoe in Gary's size there? I feel like that Gary like there was a shoehorn and there was well, no, we, we saw yeah had. we saw two shoes right the largest shoes in the world in the display they could use those for Gary's feet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we may tell uh, when we do the exit interview we may hear like uh, gary like yeah my uh lo- big toe had to be amputated uh that afternoon <laughs> to be able to complete the task well you know we're always hearing from racers in the exit interviews where they they give you this litany of things that were wrong with them that they couldn't have checked out because they were so dedicated to the race and this might be one of those things mm-hmm. yeah um so uh we saw riley madison uh whose uh, principal concern mike was getting injured I mean, listen, uh, you don't watch Amazing Race 22 and not realize like, oh, there's a really good chance I could injure myself the leg before the finale. And look, uh, high heels. I've watched enough RuPaul's Drag Race to know that, A, there are definitely heels in Gary's size. Uh, There's a market for it. And B, like wearing that stuff, you know, duty can be pain. And fashion can cause your your uh, your ankle to snap like a nice bamboo reed. Oh, so I, I oh thought it was goodness. understandable. And they're also athletes; like they can understand how simultaneously strong yet brittle the human body can be. So I think it makes sense that they're like, "All right, well, I could very easily roll my ankle on this, and if we have to run the rest of the leg, woof." Yeah, it is. It is frankly shocking to me that we don't see more people get injured on the Amazing Race. It's kind of a testament to what a good job they do because the fact that we've only ever seen one like. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they have like massage therapists in the pit stop come in every time to like warm them up, like a la NFL players. Yeah, they have somebody clean them through stretches. Yeah, I mean, I think that somebody uh, did say that. Was it on in the social media segment that there was some talk about somebody had to get a massage? That it was. Uh, oh, yeah. Did Leo bring that up? Somebody yeah. to be mis- yeah, or, or maybe it was something like D'Angelo, like somebody had to get like massages after like all the hot legs in South America because like they had, yeah. they had suffered from heat strokes. So, yeah, I mean, Speaking maybe that could hot pos- legs uh, that uh, D'Angelo got to show off his calves also. Uh, but Gary, those are the real those are the real showstoppers. Mm-hmm. But also, I think actually the real showstopper is Phil Kogan. Because I'm so happy he showed off the high heel racing himself. Yes, yes. Great job there by Phil demonstrating how it's done. Yeah, he did. He did almost all the tasks this leg. I was I was impressed because Phil's not usually that hands on. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, th- th- that's exciting. and also congratulations to Phil. And tough as nail season two is going to be back on CBS Yay! February tenth. How about that? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna have yeah we're gonna have like a about a month and a half off to hibernate, and then we're gonna come back in mid February to recap tough as nail season two, which is very exciting on many levels. Yeah. 
Okay. I don't know if they'll have the the high heels race on Tough as Nails season two. Uh, they should. The, shoe, I, the shoemaking industry <laughs> benefits hundreds of Americans every day. You'll make your own pair of heels and then race in them to collect cinder blocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I thought that uh, when uh, Hung and Chi got to the race, I thought that there was uh, an interesting story that I feel like we missed between uh, Hung and Chi. I'd never run in high heels before, so I was a little bit antsy about that. You've never run in high heels? I've walked around in heels, but I'd never ran in heels. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that uh, Hung is like, really? Really? I mean, you never? That you, this has never happened before? Yeah. Is there a story here that we don't know about? Of like, a good story. Uh, Hung, she got caught, you know, practicing his cabaret, and then he like sort of booked it after Hung interrupted the rehearsal or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well, really get the sense that Hung and Chi had the most. They were like the most fun people in the world before they had kids, and they are still pretty fun. But they just have like they have done every possible thing in the world uh, in their college years. Or this seems like maybe there was like a some sort of. Similar to a Mr. Muhlenberg competition, if you will, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I, I wore heels in that performance as well. So I think it only makes sense that she and I would follow in the same footsteps in that regard. How about feed the horses as an amazing race task? Uh, Mike, did this do anything for you? The more you describe this, the more I realize how lame these oh, actually, tasks were. Yeah. That, uh, I, I think actually, did they feed the horses? No, we got to go to the lions, lions first. Sorry about that. Sorry. I got too excited to talk about feed the horses. Yeah. So you had to go around and find like uh, these, uh, you know, big, uh, what, what would, uh, like, uh, I, I want to call them the right thing. I was going to yeah, call they're, them. Yeah, they're, they're like dance, dancing lions. Sort of like the, like, I mean, it took place in uh, the oldest Chinatown in the world. So you could say it's sort of like the lion version of Chinese dragons of the guy in the suit. And I mean, by far, the best part of this were just how big trolls the lions were every time a team came up to them. Well, there seemed that just there were some lions that were unaffiliated with the amazing race. And this was a very awkward thing that was happening where people uh, were, you know, sticking, reaching their hands into a person's costume that may or may not have been affiliated with the amazing race. This is somebody minding their own business. It's like, I'm just doing my job here. My job is to be in the lion suit and people are not supposed to put your hands in there on a normal day. And it's just like, I'm out there doing my job in my lion suit. The suit is expensive and it's fragile and I don't want randos putting their hands in it. Yeah. These people are going home like, uh, honey, you won't believe the day I had. I'm minding. I'm, I'm in my blue snuffleupagus costume, like I always am. And I'm at the end of my shift, and all these people with TV cameras, these uh, jerks, start sticking their hands in the costume mouth. Yeah, that's a new reality show, honey. It's called uh, Down the Line's Mouth. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, wild. Uh, there's uh, one in particular, a red one that they had to find, and uh, teams uh, didn't seem to have too much trouble, except for Hung and Chi. And Hung and Chi have a great moment in the episode where they they cannot find where the lions are, and they are apparently lost. Hung is going to try to get directions on how does she get to the lions. Hello, we're looking for statues. Chinese lions, dragon lions, like like they look like this. Yeah, where, where? Oh, there's no here. Anywhere close by? Lion statues. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I think we I think we got a glimpse into what their cabaret act was back in the day. Mm-hmm. Rawr. <laughs> Even the cowardly lion has a better roar than that hug. I'm sorry. <laughs> I also love how she gets down on all fours to do it as well. Just like, you know, lions. Rawr. That's more like cats. Yeah. Uh, old Deuteronomy. Exactly. Skimble also, But also they were looking, they said they were looking for. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? That's his drag name. <laughs> Just imagine she'd be like, I'm here to entertain you, ladies. Mm-hmm. Yes, Queen. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, I think what didn't help is that they were saying like, look for statues, and they weren't. I mean, the the lions were anything but statues. So I think they were looking for like maybe they were imagining like the uh, the things at the front face of the New York Public Library, like those stone dragon lines. But no, they were looking for they come to life in Ghostbusters. Yeah, they go rawr. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we go from uh, looking for the lions to go feed the horses. Uh, here's a horse. Go find the ingredient to make the horse food and feed the horse grass, Jess. <laughs> I, the more I think about it, the more I think they had their list of tasks that they wanted the racers to do. And they thought, well, maybe the, maybe the detour is um, you know, high heels or high horse and you got to feed Ooh. the horse or run in heels. And they're like, but both of these tasks are terrible. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to want to do either one of them. Like, oh, well, we got to do something different then. That's that's where I think they may have arrived at this. But yeah, this was this was a terrible task. There was nothing interesting about this. Who would have, who would have thought that horses eat what like molasses and some sort of grain and a little bit of grass for dessert? Yeah, yeah they like you're making a horse smoothie here. Mm-hmm. Put some yeah. like spirulina and some algae in there. And honestly, they could have made this interesting. They could have made it like you the usual shopping list task where you have a list of ingredients in the local language and you have to find the locals to help you get a good deal with the money you're given. That would be all right. Yeah. But this was just like, go to this marked table and then go to this other marked table and get these things and put them in a bucket. That's not an interesting right. task. Let me spice this up. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. There was something right. in that, there was something in that poop all bucket, right. Rob. Yeah. That in the city of Manila, that uh, the postal service delivers the mail by carriage, as in, as brought in by the Spaniards. The horses eat a recipe of barley, molasses, grass, and water. The teams will prepare the horse food and need to consume it all to get the yes! next clue. This is, I mean, this is just his dream come true. And we'll even muse this, right? He's like, oh, well, you know, thank God I'm not eating this. But <laughs> what if the joke was on him when he found out they had to swallow like this good, these gobs of horse food to move on? Make the horse yes. food and then eat it. Yes. Or at least do a shot of it. Come on. Well, I, listen, I don't think you can do a shot of that thing. You can't get it out of the glass in the first mm-hmm. place. But I did. I mean, listen, we were nearly in for a very fun all time blunder when Will and James nearly reach for the poop bucket on the carriage instead of the bucket of food. Yeah. Would have been good. Would have been wild. But other because other than that, the only like headline from this was that uh Gary and D'Angelo had the infamous we walked by the clue box three times and didn't notice it despite the camera, you know, keep focusing back on it moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The classic Fran and Barry moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jess, I couldn't get it out of my head, though, when I was watching the episode, when the, this came up on the tar pit of your tip of if something bad happens going into a commercial break, 
it ends up getting fixed right away. And if something bad happens mid act, that's very bad. I think that was Mike's actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We arrived at it together. Yeah, we're a team. We're a team in that regard. Yeah. Okay. Well, the two of you uh, have ruined the amazing race for me. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Just in time. I was like, oh, Hung and Chi, they can't find. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, Gary and D'Angelo are uh, in slow motion mid act. Okay. Not great. This is bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it ended up, you know, paying off at the end because all four teams got stuck uh, on that final task. But yeah, I mean, that that was sort of. Again, I was intrigued by a lot of the place swapping going on where like Hung and Chi were in last and they jumped up to third and then they were desperate in last mm-hmm. again. And then like all three guy guy yeah. teams kept swapping places. But then when we got to the music task, it all got erased. I like the graphic on the bottom of the screen that was like showing us, okay, first, second, third, fourth. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's like a horse race. Yeah. 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 They could keep that uh, in future seasons. We'll get right back to talking about tonight's amazing race with Mike and Jess. But first, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at HelloFresh. HelloFresh offers convenient, no-contact delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. Their recipes are easy to follow with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. It's a great value, say 40% when you use HelloFresh versus Versus shopping at the grocery store, and they've got a, a great offer for our listeners. You can save eighty dollars right now when you go to HelloFresh.com/rhap80. Save eighty dollars with HelloFresh.com/rhap80. HelloFresh. I love it because they give you everything in its own bag. So you open up the box. It's all packed with ice, dry ice to keep everything cold that's supposed to be. Everything has uh, these uh, beautiful recipe instructions and everything is sealed up in its own paper bag. So you know, okay, go ahead. I'm going to make the sweet soy pork tenderloin tonight. You grab that bag Everything you need is right there. I've gotten to make some HelloFresh dinners for Nicole. We loved the Southwestern shrimp tacos. I made them. Nicole was like, this is amazing. Why don't we have tacos all the time? I I don't know. I didn't even think of this. Thank you, HelloFresh. It is delicious and a nutritious variety. They're delivering fresh, high-quality pre-portioned ingredients so you can make meals that are delicious and nutritious with 90% of ingredients sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness. Plus, it's flexible for your lifestyle. You can easily change your delivery days or your meal plan preferences. Skip a week whenever you want right on the app. Keep your fridge stocked by adding extra meals or additional proteins, quick meals like breakfast on the go, or a 10-minute lunch, even desserts to help satisfy that sweet tooth with HelloFresh. So check out what HelloFresh has going on. Save $80. Go to HelloFresh.com slash RHAP80. Use promo code RHAP80. 80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. That's $80 off when you go to HelloFresh.com slash RHAP80. Now let's get back to talking about The Amazing Race. Then uh, we get to our musical task. And I have to say, I liked the task. I I thought it was an interesting task. And I don't like it when these things are too easy. Jess, was this a well-constructed task? 
Well, first of all, Rob, I'm very excited to see the return of the memory task after many seasons of not really having one. I think maybe two seasons ago, we had the one where they had to build the airplane with yeah, the parts. The really, really hard one. The really, really hard one. But it used to be a staple of The Amazing Race that your one of your final tasks was going to be this memory task based on something that you should have noticed. Yeah. And for years now, people have been tweeting at us anytime there's some kind of recurring yeah. motif in like two or three episodes. I bet that's going to be the memory Memory task podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's like half the podcast is what's the memory task going to be? And then we haven't had one at all for most of the seasons recently. And to see one and then to have it not be in the last leg, but in the penultimate leg is also very fun. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a new surprise. Yeah. And we've never had a music based one, which is also very fun. So I liked it very much. I don't know that I would have gotten this either. I don't think the musicians did any good to anybody except for that you could recognize the two that you already knew. But those other two songs, I wouldn't have known them. And I think, I don't know that Mike would have known them. And if Mike and I don't know them, nobody did pretty well back in the Tar Pits (laughs) week one when you made the game with all of the music cues from Amazing Race Pass. Yeah, I think I think I. Oh, that's that good, sweet music back from leg one when we had high hopes. Uh, Yeah, I I think that. uh, But I think that I three out of four of them. I think the probably the most obscure one was the French string quartet. Because that was that. Where was that playing? Even was that playing at the art? Wasn't it? Uh, Was it playing at the art roadblock? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so but that's still like that's not exactly a, a tune that even we were used to. Like even mm-hmm. the circus tune we picked up on, right? Because it was yeah. like so you know it's it's a, it's a tune that we're used to. I will say, uh, I think the big mistake that they made with this task was having them arrange it in the order that they showed up on the race. Like I think. I, I think had that not happened, I understand that, look, Amazing Race 101, read your clue and how frustrating it was to have the teams do it over and over and over again without realizing that. But I felt like it was a necess- an unnecessary complication. To your point, Jess, it seemed like they were struggling enough with getting the right four countries. I don't think we had to add something extra onto that to be like, but here's the caveat. You have to arrange them in this different order. So listen, I, I am, I will also chastise the team for not reading their clue uh, after, you know, after being like, well, we're not getting it a few times. Let's go back and look at our clue just to make sure, especially after, you know, what happened with like Will and James back in, in leg two or so. But I'll also say that it just, it felt a needless caveat to throw in of like, this is a tough task, but we're going to make it even tougher by throwing in this one sentence that if you didn't read, you're completely hopeless on this task. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and, you know, there's all there's a lot of ways that you could make it easier or harder. And I think maybe they this was like unnecessarily complicated. Mm-hmm. Like to have all of them out of order. Like, I think... Another thing that might have made it more interesting is to have them play the songs in random order. Like every time the mm-hmm. songs are in a different order and that that would kind of give you the cue that you have to pay attention to a different ordinal thing. Yeah, I don't even know where are, are they getting the order from? How did they know what was the first song? Was it like because Riley and Madison were there first? They were like, uh, all right, here's the start of the concert. One, well, two, three, four. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're constantly playing on a loop because I was going to say like those poor band's fingers. I'm assuming they like after they play all four songs, they like stop maybe for like 15 seconds and then pick it back up again. So there's a distinct start and end. I mean, unfortunately, this was also a thing where because they wanted to have one band playing the song, it meant that everyone had the same answer, in which case I would go back and say like, hey, 
uh, if you tweaked it so like maybe every team has a pair of headphones and the songs are in a different order. Oh, like at the Great silent thing. night yeah. club. The silent yeah. rave. Yeah. Also, it doesn't even need to be different countries. Just take the same four songs and play them in a different order. That makes sure that teams don't work together or if they do, it's to their detriment. P.S. That's cheaper. You don't have to hire a band for the whole day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, they did have a judge. Was that the lead singer of the band? I don't know. He just seemed like some sort of random guy that was there waiting for his Skippy order or whatever that place was in India. Sweet. Um, yeah, I like this guy. He had some good put downs of uh, telling the teams they do not have it right. It's a big no. <laughs> <laughs> he mixed it up. It wasn't always a big no. Uh, I mean, to be, to be fair, he was saying no. I would, I would assume close to a hundred times between the four teams. So I, I think for his own sake, he had to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, he said, well, I have to do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a magic eight ball. I, I love that guy. <laughs> Try again later. <laughs> uh, reply hazy. Um, so that guy was good, but the teams were t- were tiring, Jess. Yeah, they were getting o- they were over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked about this uh, a lot at the beginning of the show. Uh, it seemed like Hung and Chi would have worked with Gary and D'Angelo. It does. I think if it had been desperate. just the two of them, if they had been the two of them there first, I think they would have worked together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least for a little bit. And you know, this is also let's you know talking about the circumstances of boxing on another team. This is not the first time that this has happened. I think most memorably back in the penultimate leg of season nineteen, you had the other three teams boxing out Andy and Tommy. I'll admit I didn't like that back then, and I do not like it now. Uh, there, it's just. It's weird to me and it's frustrating to me. I don't know. I Maybe I need to figure out my own proclivities of like, at what point in the amazing race is it really every team for itself? But it just felt wrong for this to be the, the de facto final elimination. And it's because the other three teams are like, yeah, we're going to vote you out, essentially. That's why, Jess, you say you don't like yielding U-turns on the final four because it's also a version for three teams to very easily be like, oh, there's three teams at the end. We only need to get rid of one team. Great, let's work together and get rid of this one team. And that really makes it anticlimactic in a show that is based in climaticism. Yeah, Mike, it seems like there are game tweaks that Amazing Race could make that would be much less drastic than what, for example, Survivor makes if they don't want this kind of thing to happen. There are, there are ways they could... They could have tasks where everybody has to come up with a different answer, for instance, and they could have they could have they could eliminate all of the twists that allow you to sandbag someone else after a certain point. If it really is about like who's running the best race, there are things you can do to mitigate that. And I think the alliance factor is very interesting and helpful and a good a good thing earlier on, but at the point where your your entire alliance is boxing out one other team, I think that's harder to watch, and it's not it's not great TV. Yeah, I think they know that. Also, like I, yeah. I, I'm interested to see, you know, uh, if we ever hear about what they tried to do on Amazing Race 33 or get a real Amazing Race 33. I feel like that we're going to see steps to prevent this. From yeah, happening again. I, yeah. You know, again, it's it's something that as we have talked about many, many times over this podcast, this is something that is not new to the amazing race. Hell, I even just brought up a time 13 seasons ago when three teams did a similar thing. But I think more than any of those seasons, this was overwhelmingly part of the narrative from episode two to episode 10 or 11 mm-hmm. that I think the show would not want new teams to enter the show thinking, 
okay, I guess I just got to form an alliance and that'll take me to the end. That The last thing they want to do is essentially become one of those big strategy shows. They want to dabble in strategy, certainly with U-turns and yields and all that, but they don't want to really become a show that's about voting teams out or ganging up on other teams necessarily from a, on a very uh, a recurring basis. And I, I fear that people might watch this season and be like, because that was a smart thing to do for these three teams. They say, oh, that's a smart thing for me to do. And the Matrix is like, no, 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 we don't want you. No, that was a one-time thing. No more after this. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't even have to, they don't even have to have to tell people outright that they're, that they don't want them to do that. They can just make it much harder for them to do that. And exactly. they don't even have to change rules or anything. They just have to deploy the tasks that they're putting out for them slightly differently. And this goes away. Exactly. Like I, I am definitely because I know obviously, especially tonight, there's been a lot of uh, reignited discourse over the whole helping thing. I don't think there needs to be penalties for helping other teams. I just think they could very easily, to your point, Jess, make tweaks on certain tasks, essentially give teams different answers for certain tasks that disincentivize them from being able to share answers because the answers will be different. You don't need to essentially do double the work to help another team. And I think that is incentive enough for teams to be like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll move on. And hopefully I'll see them at the pit stop if I don't know sweat. So then the other big frustrating part of this episode comes when Gary and D'Angelo take the time penalty of like, that's it. You know what? We're just going to we'll run out the clock. Give us the two hours. Just if that was on the table to do the time penalty, should Gary and D'Angelo have considered taking the time penalty earlier? That's interesting, Rob. I think um, I think American Amazing Race doesn't typically deploy the time penalty strategically. Mm-hmm. And I think I think they probably thought that they were close to getting it. And I mean they were close to getting it yeah. at one point. And I yeah, I think there's it's really hard to walk up to a task especially this season when stuff has been really hard to walk up to a task and say, this is so hard. I'm not going to eventually get it and immediately know that in enough time. Like we don't, I don't even think that everybody was there for more than two hours. Mm -hmm. Like if they'd quit it right up front, I don't know that that would have been enough. I think they might still have lost. Yeah. I I just think that's a gigantic risk to make. And let's go back to an infamous decision, strategic decision in amazing race history. Boston Rob only took the penalty during the meat block in season seven because he knew other teams would be behind him. Yeah. There is no chance if Gary and D'Angelo take the penalty here, they know that all the teams are there. There is next to no chance that it takes, you know, them two, two plus hours to find this and they get away. Scott three. It is a gigantic risk to take. You get a much better chance for yourself of just, keeping at it rather than essentially giving yourself a two hour waiting period where these other teams could get it and easily leave before you do. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Uh, do we think Gary and D'Angelo actually had to take a two hour penalty where once the other teams leave and they check in, could they just radio in like, uh, like, uh, uh, all right, just, uh, let's, let's wrap it up. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. Although usually when that happens, you have them, you have them taking the penalty and they're like sitting at the task and then Phil walks up to him and is like, yeah, you don't have to wait out the rest of the penalty. You're toast. Mm-hmm. It, what's interesting to me is that sometimes when you have a penalty, you wait it out right there at the task. And other times you go, you to, go the to the next thing or you go to the mat and you wait it out at the mat. And I like it when they have to, 
when they go out to the mat and like Phil has to be disappointed dad at them. Well, because you didn't complete the task, you have to sit yeah. here and I can check you in in two hours. That might have been a more interesting look there. Mm-hmm. Like have Gary D'Angelo come up to the mat and wait for the other teams to show up. I think that might have made it more interesting. Okay. But it also telegraphs what the end is going to be at that point because they've thrown in the towel. I think at the point they quit that task, they knew they were quitting the entire race. So the teams, the top three would head to the mat. It would be uh, Riley and Madison uh, in first place, uh, then followed by Will and James and Hung and Chi are third. Uh, of course, uh, we know that Chi very excited to be in the final three. Hung and Chi, you are standing with the final three teams. <laughs> Classic. Uh, <laughs> Classic Hung scream. Yeah, if there was if there was one positive thing we can get out of tonight is is the classic hung screen went mainstream after its appearance in the secret scenes all the way back. I mean, again, I I am happy for these three teams. It seems like they are so happy with the people they are racing alongside, and they succeeded in their goal. I will say it was really freaking weird to watch the three teams all do like a group hug. It made it feel like it was like the final leg. Right there. It wasn't just the memory task. It was like, you know, when everyone crosses the finish line in the final leg and everyone's hugging each other, it, it felt really strange to watch them celebrate. Uh, it just it just didn't necessarily feel like it usually does for the amazing race when their eye is still on the prize. Like they had this separate celebration where they're doing London Bridge and they're all joining in on this group hug together. It was, it was an odd celebration. It really was. Weird. They really have to turn on each other in a big way next week. Yeah. I need to see that happen. Jess, could you imagine the scream we'll get from Hung, though, if Hung and Chi next Wednesday are the winners of the Amazing Race? Oh, that's like 90% of the reason I'm rooting for them to win. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chi will be like, wow, this is uh, really very exciting. I'm going to give and myself 90 seconds to be excited, and then I'll move on. Excited. And Hung will, be like, will be like, come on, Chi, dial it back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about Maybe my favorite moment in the history of the Amazing Race. Tonight. Oh my god! Wow, that's that's big. Gary that's, that's and D'Angelo go to check in at the mat, and Phil, I don't think got the answer he was expecting from. I think this might be actually a first on the Amazing Race when when Phil asks this question. Any regrets about coming on the race? Any regrets about coming on the race? Phil's probably asked this a hundred times. Nobody's ever had one. Everybody's always said none. It's it's. Uh, am I wrong, Jess? Has anybody ever no. said they had a regret? The thing that Phil is expecting to hear is, I don't have a single regret. I've had the adventure of a lifetime. I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anybody Close else ever. This yep. regret, you know, maybe there once in a while it's like, ah, oh, I wish we didn't lose my passport. You know, yeah, uh, I wish I hadn't stopped to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe once in a while, but it's it's. Yeah. But Never. it's always something it's always something that like I wish I had done differently yeah. in the race but mostly I had a good time. Some variation right. of well, Phil it's not you it's me. Uh the, yeah. the this the race was great. I I didn't tie my shoelace it's my fault. Uh, we have never gotten an answer like this to any regrets on the amazing race. Here is the great D'Angelo Williams. Yes. The race sucked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the race sucked and I thought he was going to go and there's more there's more hang in there um, 
I thought he was going to say, no, nah, I'm, I'm just messing with you, Phil. We had a great time. Right. Exactly. Well, because like we've we've seen these ribbings back and forth between yes. these, these two, right? But this is one for the ages, because after all that joking, D'Angelo is sober AF as he is telling Phil that the race sucked. The race sucked. No, no kidding. No fooling. He continues. The bad outweighed the good. I'll never come back on the show again. Like the money wasn't life changing for me. Right, but you didn't enjoy the experience. Well, I could have paid for it myself and not had the race around the world. <laughs> I could, I could have. But the money is not life changing, and I could have just gone around the world. I did not need this. But so the cruise is fun. Mm-hmm. Amazing race is hard. I'm I'm so torn on this because on the one hand, like. This is like such textbook sore loser language, right? Like, fine. You know what? I I didn't need the money anyway. I could pay for it. On the other hand, this is legendary in so many ways. It reminds me of how, like, I think we are very grateful for that. A lot of survivor contestants specifically nowadays are like, Hey, you know what? Good game, everybody. It was fine. But we like, we get our hearts racing a little bit when the occasional person's like, you know, hope you get bit by a freaking crocodile scumbags. Mm -hmm. As an example, I kind of like that. We didn't get the typical, as you said, Rob, the fair of like, well, I really liked racing with my buddy. I learned something new about him. We had a great time around the world that we had the rare response of somebody being like, I had a bad time. I heard the amazing race was fun and good, but it was neither in my opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that if like I was in like some sort of like a, uh, you know, survivor, like a uh, online reality game that had like gone on three weeks and then I got like very close to the end. And then I think I would have the same reaction. I, I would just be like, I didn't need to do this. This was <laughs> this was a huge amount of time that I spent on this. I, I have been I in that exact be position, here. Rob. Yeah, and I felt the exact same way. I just was. I just was a huge t- like uh, my my family. I could have been doing a, a million other things. I was here this whole time. I didn't. I didn't need this. <gasps> this was so great. This was so great. Uh, and I'm dying to know the answer, Mike. To how did D'Angelo get roped into this in the first place? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, spoiler alert, that's going to be the very first thing I ask them is like, who, because obviously, as Jess has talked about, it's sometimes the thing where like one person's a fan of the show and they get the other person. Sometimes with sports teams, it's like they reach out to the NFL for like people who are interested in doing it. And then like two people say they want to do it. Clearly, Gary and D'Angelo have had a friendship that has superseded the NFL but I am so intrigued as to whether this was D'Angelo signing up. Like he stepped forward because he thought this would be fun and regretted his decision. If this was Gary dragging this anchor of a man around the world, the entire time being like, no, we're going to have a fun time. And D'Angelo regretting saying yes, every single second. This is such an interesting dynamic. And I also don't know, like we saw some clips where D'Angelo was having fun. Obviously I could imagine that, that this was partially built out of now. Exactly. Like he, this is the ultimate blowfish move. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. his cheeks were puffed out to high heavens. I think we have to also point to the moment where Gary is trying to rescue the moment, yeah. and D'Angelo is no, not happy. Uh, Phil, uh, no, we did have a good time. Uh, he'll come around. He's uh, just kidding. Yeah, uh, classic D'Angelo. Uh, it was great. We loved it. I, yeah, I, and I also uh, that, I just want to add that uh, D, also D'Angelo snuck in there. I would not do this again either. I yeah, will not come I, back. Listen, I know you're thinking about asking me back, and I'm already going to say no. You no. don't even need to make a call. I'll save you the phone bill. <laughs> yeah. Is that an amazing race first? Has anybody ever said on the mat, I, will, I would not play again? I think there have been... There have definitely been ones where people have said, I will not 
come again with this partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone has been so presumptuous to say, if I were to ever be asked back on the... I know I just finished my first race, but if I were ever to be offered a second, yeah. no thank you. I'm well, at- and it's, it's a new concept for Amazing Race. I think for Survivor, for a very long time, it's been... There's a lot of people that go on Survivor thinking, well, this is just going to be my first time out and they're playing to get asked back to play again. But Amazing Race, you never know when they're going to have those returning player seasons and it could be a long time. And people don't usually come on there with an eye to being like, I'm going to be such a dynamic superstar of this race that they're going to need to have me back. I loved it. It was uh, so I, I, I was dying when that happened on the episode. So it was just I mean, it was so like just so volatile this entire episode. Where like the, the most majority of them, like, okay, this is fun, and then this extremely frustrating moment happens in the final task. But then, like, you have the sheer like catharsis and comedy of D'Angelo Williams just saying like giving the middle finger to the show essentially mm-hmm. yeah. on his way out that made for such an, a weird ending for such a weird episode. I mean, it is truly the 2020, like this is my reaction to 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I do not want it again. Like, 2020 uh, is bad. It sucked. <laughs> yes. On New Year's Eve, like uh, Jess, what do you think? Any, any regrets from 2020? <laughs> Yes, I regret 2020 happened at all. The bad outweighed the good, and I will never do it again. <laughs> yeah. um, Thomas in the chat had a good question about, like, uh, do you think that it was more about the fact that there was uh, the alliance ganging up on them? That was the bigger thing on D'Angelo's mind, more so than anything uh, related to the race. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think it, it, it didn't. It did not help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, We are heading into our finale next week. Uh, The teams are headed to uh, New Orleans. Any thoughts looking ahead? I mean, what I, so what I will say is again, obviously this was a very frustrating situation for both Gary and D'Angelo and viewers. That being said, I am still excited for these three teams. I enjoy these three teams. I like these three teams. I think Arguably, these are the three strongest teams of the entire race. So I think it's going to be a very competitive final leg. It might not have been the best step to get to this point, but I'm still excited for at least the next hour that we get to see and talk about the amazing race, because this might be the last hour of the amazing race. We get to talk about from a new capacity for quite a long time. So I'm going to try to savor it like a nice donut that they appear to be making on mass next mm-hmm. week. Yeah. Rolling a giant ball around. Yeah, it looks like that there's going to be some eating as well next week, Jess. I, lo- I love me some eating tasks. And okay. obviously, if you're going to New Orleans, that's a really good place to do an eating task. Yes. Okay. Advantage and hung honestly, and yeah, advantage hung and chi. Maybe that's why that was highlighted. Um, but, you know, I always say that like the, the least interesting episodes of any given amazing race are the first episode and the last episode of any season. So I, I don't know. I, I always, I always love that we have this show in our lives, but I've gotten enough good out of it that the rest of it is just gravy. Like I'm just going to, like Mike said, I'm just going to go in and enjoy it. And, you know, there's a lot of people on the social media being very down on this season and saying like the Alliance ruined it and it was just no fun to watch. And then we're just in a miserable slog through it. And we're only watching any, any regrets about the amazing race 32. Yeah, it sucked. 
More um, bad than good. I could have paid to. to I would not watch it again. My, uh, I could have pirated Amazing Race Australia, and I wouldn't have had to deal with this. Uh, yeah, but honestly, anytime the show is on, it's a good thing. This show is is fun and good to everybody except D'Angelo and. Every season we get people in there complaining like, I, you know, I don't even know why I'm watching this. I don't even know why you're covering it. It's so bad. And I can't believe this show is still on. Well, the show is still on and we've, we've had a lot of fun. I think the good did outweigh the bad. And we can, the blanket statement that the season is terrible is really only effective when it's like one team, you know, obviously running roughshod over every other team and you don't like anybody and I like everybody I think even when they were being an alliance and doing things that weren't interesting television I liked them and they're good teams and this is going to be a fun hour of television next week yeah take it easy everybody did we watch 11 teams race around the world yes yes we did all right did did we watch Phil yes anything with Phil is good yeah exactly all right We've got questions from our listeners. Let's see how oh, I'm the, sure we do. <laughs> questions and tweets oh, are looking again. If you ever. are listening to the podcast version, send us your questions for our Tar Pit show this weekend, Amazing Race at RobIsWebsite.com. All right. Uh, we are going to start things off here uh, with a tweet from Gary Barnage. Oh, and getting ahead of our social media segment for the Tar uh-huh. Yes. He says, uh, just going to stand up for at D'Angelo RB uh, a little here. Uh, the edit makes it look like he was super pissed. We lost and hated the race. He actually loved the race and just hated things that went on behind the scenes and in between the legs that he was upset. Interesting. So we'll definitely have to dig into that a little bit more. Maybe maybe those masseuses did not necessarily work their magic on him. So he's angry about that. I do wonder if behind the scenes meant the alliance, because I do agree with the point that Thomas in the chat brought up so. earlier. You don't think so? So you think this is just anger at production, not even at the other teams? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think that I, maybe it was like, uh, like, look, they all left. We want to check in. There's a maybe. Maybe they said like, oh, you got uh, an hour and forty five minutes, so uh, just make yourself comfortable. Like, no, we don't want to be here. Like, well, okay. <laughs> so I still got an hour forty four. <laughs> so why don't you just sit down? You want to look at your clue again? Maybe that'll uh, maybe that'll inspire you. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We'll find we'll find out hopefully on our exit interview, and uh, we'll get into all that. All right. Uh, here is one from Emily Emily uh, Spiderman, who says, "Do you think that D'Angelo is going to be as salty in his exit interviews as he was at the end of the episode?" Well, I think he probably cooled off at some point in the last two years. No, I think if if Aparna was as fired up last week as she was two years ago, I think there is a at least an eighty percent chance that D'Angelo watching this episode again last night is going to reignite those feelings that he had at the time. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I I don't think you spend two hours. I don't think you spend two years stewing about it. I think it just stirs everything up and gives you a very distilled version of it to stoke your memory two years later. So, yeah, he's probably going to be mad. Yeah. Uh, D'Angelo, looking back, how was your time on The Amazing Race? Yes. The race sucked. Oh, come on, D'Angelo. The bad outweighed the good. I'll never come back on the show again. I mean, listen, if D'Angelo ends up being a no-show for the interview, just play those clips and ask yeah. last few questions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I, I like that Gary is like the press secretary for uh, D'Angelo. 
Uh, he's just out there cleaning things up. Okay. All right. Uh, then uh, Lorenzo says, I wasn't a fan of it originally, but this might have been to the time to put a head-to-head in of some sort. Oh, how would hmm. uh, if the city sprint ended in a head-to-head despite the two-hour penalty? All right. Close it out with one more high heel 40 yard dash. That makes sense because you can't help each other through a head to head. Yeah, you can't be like, oh, you first, please. You finish in, in the place before me because that means that you have to stay behind. Yeah, but that being said, I don't love the head to head at the very end of a leg. I mean, I would say put it in there somewhere and then have something that you can't help each other through at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, uh, here is uh, our good friend, Pat Tad, who says, what was more dangerous, having the racers run in high heels or having the racers distract a traffic guard for a clue? Uh, Do you think, Mike, that that guy could multitask? Oh, this guy's a professional. That's what he does every single day. It would have been a five hole for him to uh, be able to screw it up. But that being said, I think on paper, the latter is by far the most dangerous because it involves other vehicles that are not in on it. Uh, with the former, you just had to worry about tripping over those poor locals that had to like shuffle around these racers every time they got off to a race. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, we need to talk about those guys, actually, okay. because... The having a bunch of locals also in high heels on the race course was an interesting choice. I wonder if that was just to keep them running. Like they kind of functioned as the little pace cars um, Mm -hmm. because they were jogging the whole time. And maybe the rule was you had to keep going as fast as they were. So you weren't just walking in the high heels. Okay. Got to keep, keep uh, moving fast enough. Uh, You got to be, it's like speed, but in high heels. Right. All right. Ari Ferrari says, if there was no alliance, would this still be the same final three? Uh, Do we have any uh, 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 evidence that it would have been a different three teams had there been no alliance? Well, I mean, we'd have to look to, I think, last leg and this leg, because last leg with the U-turn, if they didn't have that core group of three teams... You know, would the Volley Bros, for instance, uh, go after one of those other teams? And then also, I think this leg is probably the least clear cut that these three teams would have still been the final three, right? Because they directly helped one another. Mm-hmm. If they were not and they were still scrambling for hours, there could be a chance that Gary and D'Angelo gets it before one, two, or hell, even all three of them. So I, I, I think that despite the argument that we've been putting forth for the majority of it, of how the mine five were arguably the, the strongest teams and probably would still have made some configuration of the final five, based on how this leg ended, I don't know if we would still have the final three without that alliance. I think I would be prepared to say up until this leg that I would say I think I think we get the same final four every time. Mm-hmm. But looking back, like all of the things that the alliance has done, like there have been little like instances of them helping each other. But the U-turns ultimately, apart from the maybe the most recent one, they didn't really the, the yields and U-turns didn't really affect the outcome. So. I would I would say I think we have a very high likelihood of having the fi- the same final three without the without the yeah. without the alliance in place. But I think Gary and D'Angelo have better odds. On the other hand, it didn't look like they were getting yeah. very close to finishing that task. So I would say tonight that Riley and Madison uh, might have still been there if it wasn't for mm-hmm. uh, Will and James and Hung and Chi who read the clue. Like, I think that ultimately, uh, Hung and Chi and Will and James get to the mat. And I think it's a race to figure out who would ultimately get the luggage in the right order. Yeah, yeah. that's, I think that's fair. Yeah. 
And the interesting thing about what Raleigh and Madison did was I actually do think as much as you called it cockamamie, Rob, I do think their sort of like permutation strategy would work had they just not known, you know, had had they not added this extra caveat of it has to be in the order in which you you encounter them on the race. Because otherwise, like, I think it's very smart. If you have three, if they knew two of the answers were right, it would be a good plan. But it it assumed that they had the right answers and they did not. Exactly. It was a big assumption to make. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Let's go to uh, Jacob Kramer, who says, do you think they should implement a twist called social distancing, which makes it so uh, you can't talk uh, between teams and certain tasks? I came up with this a little while ago. People seem to like it. Uh, Jacob, I think that you are talking to some nice people. I think that they might be your friends or immediate family, and they may not want to hurt your feelings. Social distancing twist is not a good twist for the Amazing Race. Yes? No? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, what is 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 the cameraman just going to be standing there and every time they talk like, Shh, you know, the thirty minutes? Like, are you the principal from the Breakfast Club of like assigning thirty minute penalties for every word that they say? Plus, you're making a TV show. Yeah, <laughs> people need to talk in your TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, that's not exactly what social distancing is. No, it is not. This is not. Yeah, that's called. No, I think you're asking for a twist called silent treatment. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe we could. Maybe we could come up. We could workshop that. But I don't. I don't think that social distancing is it in terms of the Amazing Race, as much as it is a valuable tool to uh, help us fight COVID infection. Okay. Valuable nowadays, not in the Amazing Race. Right. Yeah. I, I think you you risk ending up um, having the, you know, we're having a season of the Amazing Race that's just like the the movie The Artist. <laughs> uh, Med says, "Is this the season that's the origin story of Toughest Nails?" Phil was like, "I'm so over this at the pit stop." No, <gasps> Phil, Phil told us he'd been working on Toughest Nails for years. Yeah, maybe maybe if anything it was like, damn, I've gotta I gotta make sure that you know this show that I work on has no alliances. Though who knows. Tough as nails season two just finished. Who knows? Maybe that thing is chock full of alliances and we have no idea. Maybe we just can't escape alliances on CBS reality shows. Hmm, maybe. Um, but perhaps like uh, the origin story is like uh, Phil was at the uh, the pit start and the pit stop. He had a lot of time on his hands. He's like, oh, city sprint. Oh, what if they did a city sprint after a garbage truck? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that this could work. All right. Let's go to uh, back to Pat. Uh, how did the memory challenge rank in difficulty compared to other memory challenges in the past seasons? I feel like on paper, this was fairly easy if they first read the clue. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing. But I think... Other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> Thank you, Rob. That's my, that's my line. Okay. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that I, I mathed this out, actually. So there's you got 10 different country flags, right? In, into four different slots. And that's about 5,000 permutations. If you don't know either of the two, but if you know the two, then you just got about 56 different combinations. Mm-hmm. So that becomes much easier. And it's a good point. Like once you have, once you have two or even one locked in, you can just brute force your way through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so to and so to answer Pat's question, you know, I think Jess mentioned the season thirty-one. That might be the hardest one, but I think one of the first ones was season twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably one of the hardest ones because also it was unexpected. It really snuck up on people. There was a period in those middle seasons when teams just like studied up 
and they had a whole compendium. Mm-hmm. I do think this similarly took them by surprise a bit where I don't think anyone was writing down the music that they heard in each leg as opposed to like the greetings that the, the greeter said, which was very over the top. Okay, we know that this is what we should be paying attention to. Okay. Um, Owen says, uh, why didn't Gary, Gary and D'Angelo play some defense and try to listen to Madison giving out the answer? Is that what defense is? Uh, more spying. No, I think I think defense is would be them standing between, them. Yeah, between Madison, right, and being like, blah, 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 yeah. don't say the answer. But it did, that'd be defense. It did seem as though that you could like get close enough and be like, oh, okay, th- th- look at what they're doing. All right. Yeah, like just run over there when they're about to be judged and like just run behind the guy. Yeah, I do wonder if there was like a requirement of like, hey, if, if I'm next in line, how far behind do I have to be from the other team? Because otherwise, to your point, yeah, just like take a peek at those at those flags. Even if you're not in line, when Riley and Madison go up, like take a break, walk over, see the flags, and then be like, okay, it's those. Okay, let's arrange yeah. them. That's a way that almost you could inadvertently share answers. Maybe you could be like, um, so am I allowed to stand like uh, right over here while they come up there with the suitcases? It's a big no. Oh, okay. oh damn it. You're not cool, man. I thought you were cool. Yeah, okay. Well, I have to do better than that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about then from Hot Nuts? Oh, Our good friend. Uh, yeah, it's, been, it's been a minute. Hot Nuts, how have you been? Uh, what type of task could they have added that could have mixed up the teams without losing the frenetic pace of the city sprint? I mean, maybe it's something that was almost in the in the mold, quite literally, of like the roadblock from last episode of like perform a task. Because I feel like the rest of this was like fairly straightforward, right? Of like, especially the the feeding the horse test was like, go do a thing. The high heels was go walk around in a circle. If there was something that required to like, yes, you want to keep up that frenetic pace, but like stop down and and actually do something that requires skill and concentration, that could have stopped some teams enough to maybe shake up the order a little bit more than even they were doing this episode. Yeah, or even make all of the tasks 20% harder. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to run in high heels, but you also have to run in high heels while holding carton of eggs or something mm-hmm. or something where you might have to conceivably try it a bunch of times. None of these yeah. required multiple tries except for the final task. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Let's check in with our Amazing Race draft board. And boy, uh, with Gary and D'Angelo going out, uh, I joined Dan Heaton in the clubhouse uh, in Elimination Station. I am out. <sighs> It comes down to Mike Bloom's got two two bites at the apple next week, and Jess is all in on Hung and Chi in our fantasy draft. Jess, how do you feel confident? I feel like Hung and Chi are really well positioned. I think they're I think they're they've gotten a good edit. I think they're solid racers. I feel like they had a much stronger start than the other two teams. Yeah. But they have kind of cooled off a little bit. So I'm hoping they can get it together again in the final leg. Here's just next Wednesday night. If she wins the draft. Same energy, buddy. (laughs) If she loses, she go rawr. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike, are you feeling confident with uh, uh, Riley and Madison and Will and James? I mean, this is a win-win for me because if those two teams win, I win. But if Hung and Chi win, I love Hung and Chi. So I win too. Win so, for Mike. Yeah, so I, so I feel happy. I do think of the two, even from a story perspective, I do think this, I could see Will and James winning it 
especially again, I'm going along with my conspiracy theory that the volley bros, you know, ended up sort of falling on their own sword that they sharpened with the iron that they brought to the end. Mm -hmm. But I think Will and James have also had a very strong story. I think they are probably the most visible team this season. And I guess it remains to be seen if they were visible because they were just very big personalities and like, were very good at the sound bites or if it's also because they end up winning the race too. Okay. All right. Yeah. I would love to see any of these wins, honestly, but, um, Will and James, the gratitude and the excitement that they have brought to this race is really makes that a very satisfying end to the season. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you brought that up because, again, I just want to iterate here. I am pretty frustrated AF with with the outcome from this episode and what happened, but I do not quibble with the teams whatsoever. I've seen people like call Will and James awful people, which they are very clearly not. Nobody in this season is awful people. That's why it's also like not going to be the bottom of my amazing race tier because you do not have a Jonathan and Victoria or a Freddie and Kendra who are just like absolutely heinous human beings there. Or keep you, you with have, me. Ex- oh boy. Uh, kidding. Kidding. Rob said it. I didn't. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're, they're, they, everyone's just seems like great people. They did things that we didn't want them to do in, in kind of like a very, straightforward way in an inclusion exclusionary way but i i hope people don't use this as the opportunity to like paint people's humanity and personality based on what you see on a reality show especially under these circumstances they did what they did we'll see if if you know how it all plays out next week but you know keep, be kind keep it yeah. kind you don't have to tell our listeners they're they're well behaved mike i, I vouch for the listeners the, the, these are not the people you need to worry about I would, All right. Trust me, Mike. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. I'll hold you to that. All right. Let me speak for the, the listeners that uh, the people that are that, that are uh, writing insanely mean things to the Amazing Race contestants, they're, they're not wasting their time listening to us recap the episode for an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah, they're just busy being angry. Yeah, that takes just, a lot out of you. Crazy people. Okay. All right. Uh, we're talking to all the rational, like, uh, just reasonable Amazing Race fans tonight. All right. Okay, let's talk about what else is going on. Uh, do you, unless you know otherwise, Mike. No, you, I mean... You tell I, me the names after the podcast. I'll blah, blah, blah. I'll name names. Okay, all right. Got a little list. All right, uh, let's talk about what else is going on here on the Rob Has a Podcast. Of course, uh, this week, uh, Taryn Armstrong got together with Matt Ligori and uh, Chantel Francis to talk about Sequester season four, episode two. I got to watch Sequester uh, this afternoon. It was another banger. And I listened to the podcast today. Uh, great job by uh, Taryn and Chantel and uh, Matt talking about the antics of Brent and everybody over on Sequester. I don't really understand what happens on Sequester, but I'm watching it and I'm enjoying it. It's almost like uh, watching like a foreign language TV show of like, I don't understand really what's going on, but I'm really enjoying the energy that's behind it. Yes. Yes. It looks great. And I say, OK, sure. I'm 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 here. I'm loving it. Sequester uh, season four. Check out the recaps live Monday night. Oh, and then check this out with the great Puya Zambakili. I began a journey of my own to uh, recap 90 Day Fiance season eight. And uh, let's see next week when the teams head to New Orleans, if they run into Jovi and Yara in uh, New Orleans. I had a lot of fun with Puya, and we'll be also recapping that on Mondays 
on Rob as a Podcast. And even if you don't want to watch 90 Day Fiance, uh, we tried to make it as digestible as possible, uh, just like that horse feed. So you can follow <laughs> along, even if you're not watching 90 Day Fiance and everything that's going on here on the Hot Mess Express. All right. Then, oh, on News AF, did you, Jess, did you hear about this? The former Israel uh, space oh, yeah, yeah. minister said that there is a galactic federation where in it but that the humans are just not ready to hear about it well you know the vulcans could be really hard to work with sometimes and i think it takes a you know it takes a particular kind of diplomatic mind to really get along with what they're bringing to the table mm-hmm. so uh we talked about that monoliths uh much more uh i had a a great plan to get everybody to mask up as well over on the latest news af with danny and tyson then over on the bachelorette okay uh things are getting down to the wire for taisha uh check out what amy and Haley had to say about this week on the bachelorette is that a lie detector test um i'm not sure i did not see yeah. just yeah they did a polygraph yeah Who's she, asking, who's she asking a uh, lie detector to? I, I think Next she's taking she's taking the lie detector and oh the, okay yes. The Tasha was administering the lie detector. That would be an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think it. you have to have a license to do that. Okay. Um, I feel like somebody can like like I've heard like Howard Stern do it. Like they like I think that they just need somebody to hook you up to the machine, and then uh, anybody can ask questions. Someone has to operate the machine, yeah, though. Someone has to operate the machine. Yeah, like you can't just like, oh, that's a bump. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Scott, what else you got? All right, that's JoJo. Scott. Oh, the challenge. Big. We're talking on the premiere night. This is actually on at the same time as The Amazing Race. Yes. Uh, the How challenge, dare they? Double Agents uh, is premiering tonight. Brian and Allie are going to have uh, their uh, recap of the first episode. I watched the chat. Mike, I, I know you're a challenge guy. I watched mm-hmm. the challenge preview uh, that yeah. was on the other day. That was very good. Yeah, I actually just watched it before as well. It's very well done. You know, even I, like a big challenge. Fan, yeah, we, we become, I've even become like, you know, just very much uh, murky memoried when it comes to a lot of these newer contestants because I don't watch all these feeder shows that they're a part of. So to hear them straight from the horse's mouth, players both old and new talk about it. And it really it doesn't spoil anything. It has a badass trailer at the end, but it's just everyone sort of talking about who they are, what their place is in the challenge, if they are a veteran or if they're a rookie, where they're from. And I think it's just it's a fantastic way to just like get up caught up with 32 cast members and from what i i garnered from social media it was also to quote rob quite a banger, banger. um okay episode. can't wait to watch the challenge well, i believe they call them headbangers in the challenge because there is a, a challenge where they run at each other at, at full speed okay uh check out brian and Allie's recap i believe that's coming tomorrow and i also uh got to talk with brian and Allie this weekend if you want to see uh, a little bit of a preview natalie anderson and uh jay of uh, for uh, natalie anderson of amazing race fame uh, mm-hmm. uh is going to be on the uh the challenge is that the first amazing racer jess to appear on the challenge um no no, no. it is not who else nope. mike uh jennifer if you remember the first boot from season 30 the ring girls uh one of the girls i think her name was jennifer was on last season and she embarrassed herself Oof. uh extremely she started her nomination speech with the terms greetings earthlings oh, and the rest was, she was the galactic Federation. 
she might have been. Uh, maybe that was the big twist. But yeah, she she flamed out pretty massively in the first couple episodes. And so I think people are are willing to sort of brush under the bridge that she was the first Amazing Race crossover and more so throw their stuff onto Natalie, who benches that she was on the Amazing Race uh, in that preview you were talking about, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Then over on The Masked Singer, it is the road to the finals. I believe that this one is uh, the sing-along episode, but Puya and Liana, they like to do, uh, I believe, a lot of Q&A during this episode. It was a lot of fun last season. Check out them on The Masked Singer rehab up as well and then oh this is gonna be a good one coming up tomorrow night t-bird and i caught up with neonka mixon and a lot of good stuff Uh, let me just tell you neonka is not pulling any punches all right neonka is uh shot out of a cannon ready to go it's great interview with neonka coming up on talking with t-bird that's gonna be that's surprising yeah. It surprises me, Rob, because usually she's so reserved and exactly. She played such a low key game last time. Yeah. I, I'm very, I'm very intrigued to hear from Nayanka at this point in Survivor history for many reasons. Plus, I've I've been watching uh, Nicaragua for the Survivor historian, so I've been reengaging with with Hurricane Nayanka, yeah. and there's a lot to digest there. Nayanka had some uh, really good stories. Apparently, there was a Survivor Nicaragua Zoom reunion call, and uh, she's gonna uh, spill some tea about. What oh my god. Yes, all I need to know is what Benry did because he's just an enigma of a man. <laughs> are, are we sure Nayanka didn't, didn't drop off the podcast, uh, drop off the Zoom call midway through? No, 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 no. She's there. The, she's there the whole but, time, but, but only after watching Gulliver's Travels first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this has some interesting things to say about that as well. Uh, that's going to be on Talking With Deeper. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Rob, it's website.com slash iTunes. Don't miss that. And then over the weekend, uh, Akiva and myself are going to be, uh, after a very long time in the fishbowl, season three, episode seven of Family Matters, uh, will be joined by Chappelle. Yes. To Season three, episode seven of uh, Family Matters. Uh, you won't believe what Steve Urkel is up to. Uh, but it involves a robot. I'm. Uh, does that make him the robot capital of prime time? Yes. But yes. Yeah, I'm very excited. Chappelle, uh, Chappelle was very playful with you guys last time. I mean, Chappelle is just an amazing person and an amazing podcaster. So it's going to be gold once again when you three get together. Okay. No pressure. But yeah, we're looking. We're looking forward to it. All right. And then of course, uh, we've got some. Uh, uh, look, the RHAP shop is open rob is website.com slash shop of course uh we've added so many items including some amazing race merch as well uh, of course uh you can uh check that out go to rob is website.com slash shop for that of course uh hey we're doing a lot of great stuff right now on our patron podcast feed right now for all our patrons first off we played a great we do a patron activity every single week did a great one last night. Grace Leader put together an adaptation of the UK game show Taskmaster, which was a lot of fun last night. Uh, that is currently up on our Patreon. And then it was an all-timer on the patron five for five. Non-patrons, you missed out. Uh, let me just say that. And I, I don't normally get hyperbolic about the patron five for five. Uh, all that and more up at robhasawebsite.com slash patron patrons L- listen to the five for five this week okay uh then also check us out on social media at rob has a podcast on twitter at rhap grams on instagram and on facebook as well all right 
Great job, everybody. Uh, was there any? I, I know I went right into the plugs. Was there anything else about the Amazing Race that we didn't cover tonight? No. I mean, luckily we have another, we have another show to do it. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll make the announcement. Uh, we're going to be joined. You know what? It's a very strategic episode for better or for worse, this episode. And so I think it makes sense that we bring in the queen of survivor strategy herself. The great Shannon Gus is going to be joining us on the tarpet this week. Maybe, maybe some other guests, depending on how schedules work out. But Shannon is going to, she, she has like a, I would call her sort of in the, the realm of the super casual as the guests that we've ever had. She's a very, engaged excited newer fan of the amazing race and shan's just an incredible podcaster so you know she's going to have some fantastic takes about this most recent episode and the season at large going into the finale and i also want to announce tonight that look that we're going to interview gary and d'angelo tomorrow and usually all season long we've been making you wait until the tar pits that when jess and i talk to them assuming that they that uh d'angelo answers the phone and wants to do exit press tomorrow uh, we're going to get that out tomorrow. We're not going to make you wait till Sunday. We want to hear what Gary and D'Angelo has to say. So our exit interview, assuming it goes down, if we get it, you get it on Thursday. Rob, what if it's really boring? I, will still put it, I, I think people would want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I would. I would estimate. No offense to the other lovely teams this season. This might be the most highly anticipated exit interview of the season so far. I think so. I think so. So we will put out our amazing race exit interview tomorrow as well uh, before we uh, get back into the tar pits this weekend. All right, Jess, what's next for you? Um, next for me is this gentleman here, Mike Bloom, and I will be talking about Star Trek Discovery this over the weekend over on Post Show Recaps. And we are going to have a great time. Uh, the season's been really great so far, and we've had a lot of fun things to say. And also, the other thing that I do over on Post Show Recaps right now is people that are patrons of Post Show Recaps get a newsletter every week. And I compile and write that newsletter. And I don't know if anybody reads it, but I have fun putting it together. Mm-hmm. All right. It's great. I read it, and I love it. Oh, good. That, go. that one like we get every week. I think that's Mike. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike, what's next for you? Well, speaking of post-show recaps, Jess mentioned Star Trek, which is going to be a big one. It's our, our first, uh, I think, our first ever disco mid-season two-part episode. We're going to get the first part this week, so you know it's going to be a big one. Uh, but elsewhere on post-show recaps, Josh Wegler and I, we actually just recorded a near three-hour podcast uh, covering The Brig, which is one of the most revelatory episodes of Lost Yet. We wow. had Maybe one of our favorite podcasts yet, recapping that episode. So that is coming to you Friday. Of course, for you those of you who missed it, Rob and I got together not once but twice last week to talk about uh, some things serious and silly with Survivor. We did a podcast with the aforementioned Chantel Francis on uh, ranking Survivor's most noticeable hats. And then you and I did a podcast with Shannon Gus where uh, we talked about Survivor in the Netflix era, uh, what this means for the show, what seasons should be added, what might be seasons to suggest to new fans and in what order. And we also announced there that coming next year, maybe in a few short weeks, uh, Shannon and I are going to be going back to our Survivor South Africa coverage to cover South Africa season five, a season we have yet to talk about. We have to go back. Exactly. Yes. We have to go back. In, I mean, we're going back in many ways. We're talking about an Amazing Race season that was two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then speaking of Amazing Race, uh, my exit interview with Gary and D'Angelo will also be up tomorrow. I think between our formats, we'll be able to take care of a lot of questions from these two who I'm very excited. I'm excited to talk to all these teams in general. Again, I know that the circumstances were 
were not ideal for, for a lot of fans out there. But I really do like all these people. And I'm very excited to get all their thoughts about the race, especially as we're finally nearing the end here. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, next week is the finale. Can you believe it? I thought like we just got uh, started. Yeah. I feel like all of the television happened at once and then it all went away at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like to date it, uh, Amazing Race started when Big Brother 22 was still going on. And it feels like so much has passed since then, yet so little time. Yeah. All right. Well, next week will be finale night. We'll be live after the one hour finale of The Amazing Race. So we'll have Exit Press with all three of the finalists next week as well here on Rob Has a Podcast. If you ever are interested more in anything that we mentioned from the sponsors of Rob Has a Podcast, you can visit robinswebsite.com slash offers for more information on any of the sponsors you heard tonight or in any of our other podcasts. Thank you so much, Scott St. Pierre, behind the scenes. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.